Okay, good job. We are on Ayin Aleph, 71b, uh, two lines from the bottom. And uh, there's three issues we're going to discuss today in the Gemara. And we're in the middle of one, which is, on the previous Mishnah, we've been talking about uh, the penalty that somebody who steals a sheep or a bull and then shecks it or slaughters it, shecks it or sells it, has to pay what's known as dalad vehay, four and five times the amount of the value of the sheep um, as a penalty. So the question is, what about a scenario where there's two partners and they only owe the penalty to one of the two partners? Would they still pay a half penalty? Do we say when the Torah speaks about it, it's only when the exact circumstances are that the person is paying the four or five animals as a penalty that he does it? But if it works out that it doesn't end up being four animals, the Torah wouldn't give that penalty? Or is it a percentage? And no matter what, you pay it. And we had two opinions about it. Um, so Litzafra. Uh, in the, the rabbi who we discussed e- earlier, he said that um, the evening, he said before uh, that you do not pay a half penalty if there are partners and, or for, uh, let's say, he inherited an estate from his father and he doesn't pay the penalty to himself. So we said you don't pay a half penalty. Let's Safra in the morning the last line, Omale Kabish Omrahmana, the Torah said five cow, Afilo Kamisha Khati That would include even five half cows. It's a percentage. And therefore it doesn't make a difference if it's actually five cows. And why didn't he say that the night before? Why is it the night before he wanted to say maybe it wouldn't apply? As we turn to Ayn Bay Zamadal of seventy two A. The answer is the lo ocho bisridatura, because he didn't eat uh, ox meat. Rashi, he didn't chew it over. He didn't mull it over. When you eat meat, you got to chew it well. And so that's an expression that he hadn't thought about it that much. And when he thought about it more, the next day he said a different, he disagreed with what he said earlier. And he said that it would apply even if it's only uh, paying not a complete four or five animals, but it's a percentage. Tostos, the low oko bisritatura, he says he didn't eat last night and he was feeling weak. And since he was feeling weak, he didn't have the right answer. Ella maishna reishna maishna seifa. So why is it that in one case he pays a penalty and in the first case and in the second case he doesn't? In the first case, when the person stole it and then he slaughtered it or sold it, it was totally forbidden. And therefore, he pays the penalty. Uh, in the second case, um, the second case was he stole it from his dad and then his dad died and then he shechted it. Now, when he shechted it, it was still stolen from uh, the estate. But part of it wasn't stolen because he's part of the people that inherit the estate. So the penalty is only when a person is doing something totally forbidden on the whole thing. And since part of it wasn't forbidden because part of it was his, therefore the penalty wouldn't apply in the second case. 
so Ashoka Nimsa Trefa. Here, the Mishnah, uh, the teaching, uh, the, the quote from the Mishnah is on the previous case, but then it uses the word Vikulu, etc., which means keep on reading in the Mishnah. So the actual heading isn't the quote of the case. The case we're referring to is the case of the Mishnah where he takes an animal uh, that's not a, an offering and brings it into the base Hamigdash. He shechs and bazara. Just like you can't take an offering, a korban, and shech it outside the base Hamigdash, that's kutechutz. You can't take a non-holy offering and say, oh, the base Hamigdash has a good slaughterhouse, I can find the shochet, and bring a non-holy offering into the base Hamigdash. And so that was that case. You see from our Mishnah that lists that case that, uh, and this is the second of today's issues, and that is the first issue being the penalty of Dalad Vehei four or five times. Would it apply when it's only uh, only being paid to to uh, multiple people, and some and would it when it's only half of Dalad Vehei when there's two partners and uh, he doesn't pay the penalty to one or where he inherits from one, that was the previous debate about whether Dal Vehe applied in halves. Now, the second issue of the day is the, uh, when a person shechs, when is it called that the animal is shechted? Shechting is the process of cutting uh, the esophaga, esophagus and the trachea, the two simone of the animal. And it, you start first by cutting the beginning of the skin of the neck, and he keeps on going. So at what second is it considered like the animal is shechted? When does the penalty kick in? So he says that uh, from our Mishnah, you see clearly that it's not called shechted until the end. Because if you want to say that it's called shechting from the very beginning, as soon as you touched a little bit of the neck and started cutting, that would have made it forbidden. And if the animal is forbidden, uh, it no longer belongs to the owner. Meaning, this animal was a kosher animal and was totally permitted when he stole it. And by his shechting it, he's making it that he can never give it back to the owners, and that's why he gets the penalty. But if he turns the animal into a hulin animal, a non-holy animal shechted in the temple compound, so then the animal becomes forbidden to the owner because of Hulan Bazara. And if that's the case, he didn't take it out of the owner's possession by killing it uh, because that doesn't happen until he's finished. But he took it out of the owner's possession by taking Hulan Bazara. And then he wouldn't face the same penalty. You only face the penalty of four and five when you shecht it or, or sell it. And over here... He doesn't, if you want to say that the shkita only takes place when he's done, it comes out from the very beginning, the first part of the incision. The, at that moment, the animal is kulin bazara and forbidden. And so by the time he finishes the shkita, he's not shechting a stolen animal, he's shechting kulin bazara. He already owed the money back the second he started the shkita. But the question was, the penalty for shechting a stolen animal only applies when you finish the shechita. And at that point, it's already, uh, let's read the words, even the shechot beiport, as soon as he shechts a little bit, asra idach, the rest of the animal is forbidden. 
Lo comes out, he's not shechting an animal that belongs to the original person because the second he starts it, it becomes forbidden and he's taken it away from the original owner. And so then it's, that's not called shechting the owner's animal. Um, that's called turning the owner's animal into Chulun Bazara. And there's, he has to give it back and uh, he's stolen it, but he doesn't face the penalty for that. Yeah, but maybe even on the little bit of shkita, that's enough. Uh, he even on making the incision, maybe even on that little bit would give him the penalty. Don't answer me that. You need the entire shkita should be on an animal that uh, belongs to someone else. And this animal doesn't belong to that person because after you you shechted the first little bit, it turned into Chula Bazara. Alakasha, so this is a difficulty because there are two opinions here. So, and we need our Mishnah should go like both opinions. Really, we can tell you a case that our Mishnah fits like both opinions. He might have started the original shechting out where the animal was on the border, in between the sanctuary and out. And he may have started cutting and he was out of the sanctuary. And so it didn't actually become forbidden until the, the very last bit that was in the sanctuary, the Gamra Bifnim. And so at that moment, basically, he turns it into Chulun Bazara and turns it into Ashkita at the same time. And that's why he'll face the full penalty. Our question was that in the beginning of the Shkita, it's, um, uh, the animal is, is already turned into Chulun Bazara and therefore he wouldn't face the penalty. The answer is that the, the animal was partially outside the temple boundary. And when he started the Shkita, even in the middle, it was still outside the temple boundary. So it actually, according to this opinion, really the shkita is from the beginning to the end. But the beginning, this particular animal was not in the temple compound to become forbidden yet. Some people learn this from a different angle. Uh, they learn on the following. Really, this opinion says it's only called shkita at the very end of the job. Rabbi Yochanan argues and he says no. The entire cutting is called shkita. Uh, Rashib here brings a di- an interesting um, difference between these two opinions. What if the Kohen had a pickle thought in the middle? If the Kohen has the wrong thoughts about the offering, he can make it invalid. So if you say it's only considered shechted at the very end, he has to have that pickle thought in the end. And what he had in the beginning, that's not the shkita. In fact, if you cut a little bit of the neck and stop, that's not a shkita. So if he had a pickle thought in the very beginning, that wouldn't be a problem. But if you say the entire action is called shkita, then it would be a problem. That's what Rashi brings. Uh, back to the Gemara. It must be that Rav Yochanan, who said that you pay the penalty, it must be in this case that really it's not Minotaurah that an animal slaughtered in the temple compound, Chulun Bazora, is forbidden. Uh, why? As we turn the page, the Isa because if it were that it makes the animal forbidden, as soon as he begins the Shkita process and starts a little bit of the cut, the rest of the animal turns into Chulun Bazora and is forbidden. And so when he finishes the cutting of this animal, the finishing of the shkita, he's not actually shechting an animal that belongs to the owner. He's shechting an animal that's forbidden. 
and so he wouldn't face penalty. Well, maybe it's enough if the very beginning where he shechted it, that's enough to give him the penalty. Don't push me away. That answer is not accurate. It has to be the entire shkita is on an animal that belongs to the owner. And in this case, since the animal in the middle of the process becomes kulin bazor, it doesn't belong to the owner. Alakasha, that's a difficulty. Amalei, the Umar said, no, it's not a difficulty because you can explain we're talking about the following case. Maybe the case is the animal was not entirely in the temple compound. Most of it was outside. So you could actually begin shechting the majority of the animal and that wasn't in the temple. It's only the very last piece of the neck that was inside the temple boundary. And at that very second, he ends up doing both finishing the shkita and turning the animal into chulim bazara. But we have no proof regarding this debate whether the whole process is called shkita um, from beginning to end or it's only upon the completion of the cutting of the two, uh, the, traf- uh, the esophagus and the trachea that the animal becomes uh, fully shechted. Uh, that the shkita, that, uh, this, that's called the shkita. So net- now we finish two of today's great debates and we're about to enter the third that's going to have to do uh, with a type of false witness. Let's begin. A person's, uh, how do we know a person stole an animal? There's two witnesses. And how do we know he slaughtered it? Or sold it? So you have two witnesses that basically are going to give this guy the penalty. Those witnesses claim to have seen the theft and have seen the, the killing and the shkita and, or the selling. Now, then what happens is, it turns out these witnesses are what's called zomimin, which means that they, uh, in order for them to have seen this, uh, this action, they would have had to have been at that place. And there's other witnesses that those witnesses were not at the place to have seen the shkita or the stealing. So they are zomim, meaning they are, uh, there's two other witnesses who say they're false witnesses. So the rule is we believe the second set of witnesses. Normally, when two witnesses say one thing and to another, we say, well, it's one, one set of witnesses cancel out the other, so why should we believe one over the other? But when witnesses challenge the ability of certain witnesses because they say that they weren't at that location, they were with us, the Torah says we believe the second set, and we say the first set is called Zomim and Plotters, and they face the penalty that they were testifying to give the other person. So in the first case, they were found guilty of uh, the second set of witnesses testified that they, uh, those witnesses made up the story. They were in a different place. Mishal Hakol. So the second set of witnesses are going to end up paying the four or five animal penalty. Next case. What if it's one set of witnesses on the theft and a different set of witnesses on the slaughter or the sale? So both of them, and then both sets of witnesses are liars. Harry showed him, so the first set of witnesses that he stole, so they're going to pay the double. Anybody who steals pays double. They were going to give him the penalty of having to pay double. They're going to pay the first two. The second set of witnesses that said he slaughtered it, they're going to pay the next three. What happens if the second set is proved false? The one, the witnesses that came to, that said that they saw him slaughter it. So he's still going to pay the double because the first set of witnesses that he stole it, those are good witnesses. 
But the second set of witnesses that had first falsely testified against him, they're going to pay, they're going to pay the three times. Next case. What again? So the case is every person that's accused of stealing and slaughtering has two witnesses that he stole it and two witnesses that he slaughtered it. One of the second witnesses on the slaughter turns out to be a liar. So So now the second testimony falls down because you needed two witnesses that he slaughtered it and one of them has been proven false. What if we can prove that one of the witnesses that testified it was stolen is, uh, is proved to be a liar because there were witnesses come and say he wasn't there? So that knocks off everything. Because she'im Ganeva, if he didn't steal, so even though there's two witnesses that he slaughtered it, well, if he slaughtered an animal but he's not guilty of stealing it, ain't fika vein mechira, so we'll have no penalty. Okay. Now the Gemara begins the, 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 the third discussion for today, and that is this concept of Eid Zomin. So let's explain. Really, um, we have no reason to believe that two witnesses testify that he slaughtered the animal. And they testified they saw him slaughter it in a certain place. And then two new witnesses come and say that those witnesses weren't at that place at that time. So really, we have no reason to believe the second two over the first two. But the Torah says, in this case, we believe the second two. That's a chiddush. That's a unique halacha. Let's say two witnesses say a guy killed someone and two witnesses say he don't. We don't believe either of them. They cancel each other out. But in this case, where the second set of witnesses challenge the ability of the first witnesses to be in that place, even though the first set of witnesses say, the second witness is alive, we were there, we did see it, we believe the second. The Torah tells us you believe the second witnesses. So the, that's a chiddush. So the question is, uh, do we believe them from now on? Uh, I'm sorry, are they discredited from now on? Or do we retroactively say that from the time they testified, everything else they said, they've been proven liars and is false. Do we go retroactively? Itmar Eidzama Bayi says, yeah, we do. Once they're false, they're liars, they're liars. Everything they said was false. Rava says, no. We don't know if they're liars. Maybe the other witnesses are liars. The Torah says, at this point, we can't believe them. From now on, mekan lahabahu puzzle. But it, it, we don't go retroactively. And the more explains So we go backwards, retroactive. From the moment they testified, and now it comes out they were lying. Russia that makes them wicked. But Torah Omer, the Torah says, Atisha Russia aid that a person should not can't testify if they're wicked. So if they signed other documents after they had that first testimony everything will have to be retroactively nullified. They have these cases today where they find prosecutors uh, that were dishonest or lied. They then have to go back and release some of their previous cases. Abayi says that's what you got to do. Rav says, no, bakana habu nifsel. Why? He says, eid zomim chidishu. That these kind of witnesses, it's a, it's a chidish, it's a unique idea. Because really, there's no reason to say they're liars. It's their word against the other one. My Why do we listen to the second set of witnesses who says the first witnesses weren't there? Maybe we should listen to the first witnesses. Hilchak, so even though the Torah says in this scenario we do believe the second, we only believe them when those second witnesses come. We don't go retroactive. 
He agrees with Abai that you do go retroactive. But rabbinically, it's opening a can of worms to try to go retroactive. And the reason we don't do it is that nobody knew they were liars. And so they may have signed on other documents and they might have messed up a lot of honest people. And so rabbinically, because we don't want people to lose out, we don't go retroactive. So this kind of changes the debate a little bit. Until now, we were saying the fact that we believe the second witnesses is that even though we normally would have said, well, why believe one, believe the other? Uh, But in this case, we do. Is it only from the moment the second witnesses come or do we retroactively declare everything they did no good? So we said that's a machlokas, a and rafa. The second view of the machlokas was that even uh, Rava also admitted that you go, in theory, you should go retroactively, but uh, that's going to mess up some honest people, and so it was kind of legislated that you don't. Okay, we will stop here.